Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 15. I can't believe it's 15 already of the back check. Brendan, Stefan here. How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. By the way, I just want to give you props. Great intro. I love it. All you, you. you deserve all the credit. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. My amateur uh, video editing and Photoshop skills coming to fruition right there. But before we get started on the show, we're going to give you a quick 30-second uh, ad from our sponsor, SUNY Cortland Sport Management. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back in 30 seconds. SUNY Cortland Sport Management is a proud sponsor of the Backcheck. In the SUNY Cortland Sport Management program, students get hands-on training in sport event management and sport media production. The Sport Management Department is the oldest sport-specific major in New York State and boasts an impressive list of alumni, something me and Brendan know a lot about. To get more info about the program, go to cortland.edu SPM or look up Cortland SPMG on your favorite social media. SUNY Cortland Sport Management, where the tomorrow sport industry leaders practice their craft. Wow, yeah, two of the tomorrow yeah. sport industry leaders right here, huh? I mean, I try my best to enunciate every word and make make them proud of, of just me being a SUNY Cortland person. But, Brendan, we have a lot to dive into today. I think kicking it off, we might as well start with the Canadians. 9-5-4 and four on the year. Claude Julian, gone. Just gone. They said, you know what, we're done. And we're going to replace him with someone that bites people. That's how this works. I mean, we had like a lot of Twitter action going around with the coaching staff uh, with the Montreal Canadiens where fans were talking about how they want him gone. But we've seen the same thing with the Rangers, right? And nothing's happened. But boom, all of a sudden we got the breaking news. Claude Julien's gone. This is a playoff team right now, 9-5-4. and four, Yet they fired their head coach. I guess they're really serious about winning the season. They like what they have in Montreal. So they fired him and an assistant coach and they named... Dominique Ducharme, uh, I hope I said that right, as, as the new head coach. And Alexander Burroughs got added to the staff, too. Yeah, I mean, we've seen so many jokes right today with the biting and everything like that. But I think, you know, if a player does something wrong, I think biting sends a complete message. Like, you don't need to do anything else. Like, he did something bad, don't bench him. Don't You, you bite him, he knows right away. All right, I did something wrong. He's going to be Burrow, like, uh, like Count Dracula on the bench, walking behind the players if they do something wrong. Blood, drip, right blood dripping from his, from his sharp tooth. <laughs> Transylvania I mean, action going he on. Knows the hockey, he knows the hockey game, so we'll give him credit. But I think the more concerning thing is, you know, why was he fired? Two losses back-to-back to the Senators, one overtime, one in a shootout. That can't happen. Like, the Canadians can't lose to the Senators if they think they want to go anywhere. And I understand in other divisions, a bad team is going to beat a good team. That's why hockey is the greatest sport. But it's the Ottawa Senators. And you're the Montreal Canadiens trying to fight for a top spot in this division. And the problem is they played so well. All the new people, Anderson was on fire. Toffoli was great. Jay Allen's been great. But the problem's not with the new people. The problem seems to be with the old person, 
in net, and we've talked about it in the past how Coyote Price is an overrated netminder. But Brendan, this season, he is he is you know he has not been good. Eight ninety three save percentage, not two point nine five goals against average. So then I thought about it and I said, okay, well you know it's Carey Price. The defense hasn't been great. I mean, looking at division, they probably have the second best defense. But look who their Vancouver's awful, Ottawa's awful, Toronto's defense is not even that good. And then I thought, okay, well how do they look in the standings wise with goals against? Canadians are at two point seven eight goals against. So then I'm like, okay. Carey Price has a higher goals against average than his team. That means Jake Allen must be doing a pretty good job. Jake Allen right now, 2.14 goals against average, 9.32 save. So it's not the system. The team's playing better with Jake Allen. We saw in New York with the Rangers that when Lundqvist was, you know, past his prime a little bit, and yes, they had Shesterkin. I'm not comparing Shesterkin to um, Jake Allen, but they went to Hawkeye. You know, they're trying to win games here. Canadians are a much different boat because they're competing. The Rangers weren't competing. They wanted to get the young guy in there. They're competing trying to win. And the whole point of bringing Jake Allen in was to give Carey Price, you know, a little leeway to, okay, you could rest a little bit. It's not going to be so much pressure, but it seems like over the years he's been on Montreal, he's already tired himself out. He's tired. At 36, he's, he's 36. Let me just make sure he's 36. Uh, 33. He's 33. But yeah. I mean, we know how Montreal has been. I feel like he aged like, like dog years there. But Just that's the BS defense. because Lundqvist actually got till that point before he actually tired out. So head and shoulders better than Carey Price. And the reason that Julian got fired, sure, Price played a part in it, but you mentioned Vancouver. That's the only team Montreal can beat. <laughs> They're sub-500 against everybody else in that division. So everyone was talking about the hot start. I said it originally. The hot start is because they're playing one of the most atrocious defenses I've ever seen. That's why they were off to that hot start. So very average team going on if it wasn't for the Vancouver Canucks games. Uh, Mark Bergevin looking for a change of pace, change of scenery here when it comes to coaching staffs, and we'll see if that works. We'll see if they get a jump start going, and you know maybe they will start to play a little bit even tighter defensively and try to tighten that end up so that they can get the transition game going again. It's hard to not feel bad for coaches when they get fired because again, at the end of the day, if you know, I feel like for the Canadians, it's it's the players. They're not getting the job done when it matters, but again, it goes back. It's easier to fire a coach and fire and trade a whole group of players. This is a guy, Claude Julian, that. Literally left the bubble because he had to have a heart surgery and put a valve in. I, I think it's exactly what happened. And then he was out for the rest of the playoffs. But, you know, let him let him heal, come back this season. And then after 14 or so games, yeah, you're done. Yeah, I mean. Sayonara. It's, it's definitely tough, but there's no uh, no tough the love loss here in the, in the National Hockey League. You got a job to do. You got to do it and you don't. And I know the Rangers have been linked to Julian already, and I'm sitting here saying, please no. Please don't bring in Claude Julian. That's not the guy I want to replace Quinn. If Quinn gets fired, it's got to be somebody else that has a track record with young kids. Julian does not. Um, Julian's been a great coach in this league for a long time, but he doesn't have that record of going back and taking young kids and molding them, and that's been the issue right now. But What about Gerard Gallant? I like – that's one of my top ones. I like him. I think that they can go to the AHL ranks. They could look other places as well, but I also am a big fan of Jacques Martin. But we'll we'll see. That's a discussion for another episode. <laughs> Julian will find another job in this league. I'm not worried about that. But in more positive NHL news, that Lake Tahoe game on Sunday got a lot of views. It did. It, it blew up. I mean, that's that's what's the most views ever for a uh, the most NBCSN regular season views yeah. with 1.068 million. Uh, it's the most viewed regular season game since the 2002 Sharks versus the Red Wings on ESPN. I think it was over 1.2 million. 
little knock on ESPN there, getting back on the door for the TV contract at the end of the season. We'll see if that happens. But, I mean, hey, you got the scenic view. It was a Sunday, 7 p.m. People were home, and everyone tuned in, and it was pretty cool. I, I think that they should start to do more marketing like that. Now, I'm not necessarily saying outdoor games all the time, but there's got to be a way to get people on a consistent basis to view hockey like that. Uh, a good place to start would be not scheduling seven games a night at 7 p.m. But what do we know? Well, that also means that 1.068 million people watch the Flyers get absolutely decimated. <laughs> on live TV. It started off good. I, started thought, off I, good. I was shocked that the Flyers, I was like, this, there's no way the Flyers are going to keep pace. Sure enough, they couldn't. Uh, the Bru- I mean, David Pasternak had the easiest hat trick I've probably ever seen someone get in the NHL. First off, his third goal didn't even celebrate. Did not even celebrate. No, we talked about that with McKinnon last week. It's just more disrespectful that way. <laughs> it was just insane. He literally skates over and goes, All right, boys, good. It was a joke. His shots went right in. I know, you know, Brian Elliott is a net, and maybe 10 years ago he makes he makes that save. He, he wasn't making that one that night. And, you know, the whole thing with Kostanek after the game with his Barbie girl dance moves <laughs> and sunglasses on, and he was really pissed off. He got what, pulled out of that. But What a beauty. I mean, David Passick was also the guy when they were talking about the bubble. They were talking. They said, "Well, NBA players want hotels," and he literally goes, "Give me a cot on the floor, and I'll play hockey." I mean, true, a true hockey player. But that game was incredible. Like you said, the viewership, the scene, the sunset there, phenomenal. And I know what happened the night before with Colorado and Vegas, and that's unfortunate. But again, you can't really play hockey when the sun's out. They didn't think it was going to be sunny. In the future, I saw someone on Twitter say. There are so many really cool places outdoors where the sun will never be a factor. No, they it won't. Could do it, that they could do it in. So maybe the smarter thing to do is in the future do that where the sun can't impact it. That might be the smarter decision to do. I mean, we talked about prices struggles, but Carter Hart in that game was awful. And <sighs> he's got a 5-3-3 record this season, a 3.68 goals against an 891 save percentage. He's been terrible. Everyone talked about last season that he's the best young goalie in the league. Look and at his team name, last year. But it's it's pretty much hot. the same team. They just he he's bad. The team's doing well. They're still winning games. I mean, they had six people on COVID protocol and they were keeping tight. They lost to the Rangers in the shootout. They lost to the very good Bruins team, but if they haven't scored at the same clip they're scoring at this year, this is not a good team at all. And primarily, it's because of their goaltender right now. He has not done anything. And Brian, El- Brian Elliott, who wasn't great last year, he was solid at the best. He's been playing great this year. And again, you just wonder, in a shortened season, how long is the lease for us? Like, Carey Price struggling. If he can't, let's say the next three outings are, are bad. How do you not ride Jake Allen? And just go, listen, we understand you're the number one. We want you to get back to it, whatever's bothering you. We got, we got games to win. We have a short season trying to make a playoff push here. Like, how can you rely? Like, if Carter Hart continues the next couple of starts where it's just bad, how do you not ride Elliott? You have no choice. You're going to be falling in the standings. Well, look at the standings. The standings change every single night. You could be in second. The Islanders were in second place a couple of days ago. Then they were out of a playoff spot. Now they're back in fourth place. Anything's possible, but every game matters. And I think if goalies, you know, ride the hot hand. That's what you have to do. We see yep. it in the past. And if you don't do that, your team's going to fail. Like, Varlamov. As soon as Verlamov, you know, he's hot right now and he's been great and taking a step back here and there. But once he puts together like two consecutive bad starts, throw Sorokin in. Sorokin doesn't play great or he plays solid, you go back to Verlamov. Sorokin plays amazing, you ride Sorokin. That's how you have to do it in every season, let alone a short season. 
Correct. And in just under 20 minutes, we have Rob Tau coming on. He's going to be talking Islanders hockey with us. So big guest. If you're an Islanders fan, stick to it. Uh, stick with us, I should say, until 630. He'll be coming on then. But we have some positive, positive news, right? That was a good news about the viewership. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure every hockey fan has seen this on Twitter the last couple of days. But Henrik Lundqvist, 47 days after open heart surgery, back on the ice taking shots. Unreal. I mean, put a smile on my face, even though he was wearing all caps gear. His pads, by the way, were sick. Nice, nice. Sick. But it's just so cool to see. And I guess when you really want something and you're that dedicated to it, he was posting videos of himself running around uh, New York, you know, getting back into cardio shape. And now he's back on the ice. And that doesn't mean he's close to returning. Uh, We don't want people to assume that. But it's just crazy to see. Less than two months after your your heart was literally open on a table somewhere, He's skating on the ice again. Yes. From the wise words of Brendan, when you have open heart surgery, your heart literally open chest right on the table. That's exactly how it goes. It's exactly how it goes. No, I know. I'm, I'm agreeing with you, but I like how you explain that. That was cool. I like I it. Mean, anyway. It, this guy was, you, I, I don't know if that's <laughs> during open heart surgery. Do they have to stop your heart? I know there's a surgery I, where they do. And then they get like it going again. I don't know. You 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 have to look like a doctor. Don't I, no. don't bring the, <laughs> the deviated septum. You've had more surgeries than me with that schnoz going. I've never on. had surgery on my nose, or it wouldn't uh, look this freaking crooked. I guess I guess that's fair, but, but anyway, I, I don't know. It's just crazy. It's, it's not the fact that Lunk was on the ice. He actually looked pretty good. He's because he's a great goaltender. And the, the funny thing was, is he was so aggressive. Does open heart surgery change his style? Is he going to be aggressive now? No, I think it's because it wasn't a real NHL shooter coming down on him. I don't know who the shooter was. He had some filthy moves. He just didn't score. I know he's trying to get Lundqvist to move laterally. But um, I think Lundqvist, if he comes back, which I hope he does, playing more aggressive is just going to pay off for him. If he plays he, back in his crease, these guys are too good at sniping corners. He will fail. He will fail. And it's unfortunate. Well, but the, the thing that he struggled with a little bit of the last two years that the Rangers is that he always played that far back, but now his reflex time was a little bit less. Exactly. Like, even if it's just a millisecond, you're not stopping these shots. So I think he will work on getting a little more aggressive, but at the same time, I mean, this is a guy that for 15 years would stay back in his crease and would be stopping the hardest shots possible just by straight reaction time. So yeah. it's, it's a little bit of an adjustment, especially when you haven't played now in a long time. Well, it's like a pitcher changing his uh, delivery. Like you just, you've been doing it for 15, 20 years since you were the first time you pick up a uh, ball and glove and you go out to the mound and you throw your first couple of pitches. You find a rhythm, you find what you want to do. Long because you've been doing that and it worked. But again, with age, you realize your reflexes are not as what they were 20 years ago. And it's, and that, that's why that style hurts schools. That's why you don't see that style anymore. It's not, it's not longevity for Lundquist. It's a rarity that be that style and still be able to do what he does. Like you saw Brodeur passing. These are guys that go all over the place and stuff. And it's crazy how long they last in the NHL because, first off, not even injuries, just exhaustion. Those styles and Brodeur coming out and always, all right, shoot my glove side, shoot my glove side. Eventually, the game caught up to them. And they force you to either retire or you go out on the wrong, you know, not playing well. And, of course, I want to see Lundquist go out on top with the cup. We'll see what team he does join after this year because it it could be back with the Capitals. You never know. But I think the Capitals found something with, with, um, you think he goes back to the Rangers? I want him to so bad. What would you do if he came back to the Rangers? I'd cry. But the only reason it's not going to happen. Have, they would have to trade your year. I want them to. I think you only have, he only has one year left in his deal. I would trade him and get an asset back for him. You could bring Lundqvist. Backups are easier to find in the league than starters, which is a very obvious statement. But they have their starter already anyway. Bring Lundqvist back as his backup. 
one year, one million nine hundred k, whatever it is. Let him be a backup goaltender. He can retire a Ranger, and the Rangers next season should be primed for more of a run than they are right now. And if he still wants to play after that, you can keep bringing him back until he's got nothing left in the tank. And if they deem he's not fit anymore, you sign somebody. They have goaltender prospects in their system right now. They're all ready and getting closer to coming up. They have you have free agents all the time that are veteran goaltenders that could play 15 to games in this league on your bench behind Shesterkin. Shesterkin's going to be an animal for a long time. Well, so you might as well. That's the problem, though. If Shesterkin, okay, the whole thing was last year, let's ride Shesterkin. He got into the car accident, whatever. He was phenomenal when they rode him. This year they've been splitting. It's not really helped him. He looks better as of late and should be playing more. But now you're going to say, okay, let's trade Yuriev. So now you have Lundqvist and Shesterkin, but you're going to want to ride Shesterkin. And Lundqvist is not going to want to sit on the bench and do nothing. That's why he left. Well, he, I think he, he realizes at the, that he was going to be the backup in Washington, too. Yes, but Samsonov also did not play as well as Shesterkin did. There was room for Samsonov. There, there was more chance for him to play, I think, this season particularly with Samsonov than it would have been with Shesterkin if Gerigia was not in the picture. I can say with the utmost confidence, there is not one team in the league that's guaranteeing Lundqvist over 30 starts. No, but I'm saying, though, I think he would have had more starts with the Capitals than if he was with the Rangers this year and there was no um, Yuriev. Potentially, but he obviously loves New York, so, hey. That'd be crazy. Well, talking about the Rangers already, let's segment over to oh. the biggest news in hockey this week, Brendan. We, well, have to we, ha- we have to do this just for a couple of minutes. Leave the absence. You could go. You could give us the, the synopsis of the story because there's just too many turns to this one. They, they can make a movie about this. Well, the only news every single Rangers fans did not want to see this season was Artemi Panarin will not be playing. And that's exactly what we've had over the last two weeks. We had his brief injury stint, and now he's gone on a leave of absence because Andre Nazarov, a former KHL coach of Panarin, leaked a story about Panarin physically assaulting an 18-year-old girl in Latvia back in 2011 when he was playing in the KHL. The story's pretty much been deemed false. Besides, obviously, there was an incident that occurred. The level that Nazarov described it as is completely false. That's been disproved and discredited by numerous sources already. No police reports, no KHL just announced that they never had received a report about it. So it's obviously not at that magnitude. And I think the leave of absence is more for Panarin's concern of his family's safety. But we're not going to really speculate much about it because we don't know. And the more you speculate, the only thing you have is to be wrong. So hopefully he'll be back soon. I mean, it's... (laughs) It's scary. It's really scary. The one thing I will say on this, because I don't really want to talk much about this either, because we know we really know it's false. Again, we don't want to speculate, but all signs point to as if this is being overly exaggerated as an agenda by Putin and his staff because of Panarin talking out. But you know, the United States is built on the ability to talk about things and change things. We had a re- revolution. You know, that's the whole point of our yep. country. We're allowed to speak out, but you can't do that in Russia because Putin's got such a grip. So I'm not blaming this on Panarin at all. But for other athletes that are here with their families back home, I don't know if you should be, you know, it's one thing to speak out, but I don't think it's the smartest thing to do against a guy like that where there's so much power. He's been the most prominent Russian athlete to ever speak out. I mean, no, I get, I get why. Ovechkin and Malkin, I mean, they have never spoken out. I think they actually might be more towards his corner. And I mean, that's that's not my country. Like, I don't yeah. know how people feel about it. I, we've seen it here in our own country when it comes to politics about the drastic differences between neighbors yeah. and all that. So it's just interesting to see how it panned out. But you're right. And we here we have that free speech there. If you say something that's deemed not good by that government, it's going to be scary. And mm. this incident occurred in Latvia, so it's not in Russia. 
but obviously the guy that released the story is a known supporter of Putin. And after the statements that he made uh, supporting Putin's opposition, uh, it's it, you got to link the two together. So it's scary for him yeah. and his family. I don't understand, though. Like, why the coach now? The girl never, uh, never. I haven't heard anything about the girl's standpoint on what happened. I guarantee she would say nothing happened unless she wants money from him. But it's just ten, this. It's not. There's no case. Exactly. If that, if there was really something that big, in my opinion, it would have come out once he started signing million dollar contracts. It would have came up when he got drafted. Like it would have been a story. Well, remember he was never drafted. Oh uh, yes. But yes. the Blackhawks would have when they signed him. You'd think every team does a background check. If this was something that major, it would have popped up and been a red flag. But nothing ever popped up, and now he's been on two other teams, and nobody's ever found. Uh, to me, it's obviously a fabricated story. Could something have happened where you know there was a, a slight dust up or a small incident? Uh, sure, but to the level of the magnitude that he was saying, no, there's, there's no chance. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, hopefully it blows over, and he'll be back in a couple of weeks, and and we could just get back to watching arguably one of the top five players in the league. Let's just say one more thing about this. If this was now, let's say he was joining the league now, 10 years later, social media has changed drastically. You think this comes out before it gets dressed? Like, you think this is a major story heading into a season? Like, we thought no, the guy. Nobody would have known about it if this guy didn't say anything. Yeah, this, I, don't, I really just don't understand what the, what the coach, unless Putin came to him and said. It's political motive. He even said it when he gave the quote. He said, that's why I think he thinks the way he does politically. Like, there was a political motive that he put in his own quote. So it's obviously that he's exaggerating whatever happened. Like it could have been me and you got into a verbal altercation, and this guy, because of Panarin's belief, said, "Oh, uh, Brendan Rock Stefan." Uh, like you know, all of a sudden it changes the story. But we live in a day and age where people are kind of guilty till proven innocent. You know? Yeah, and it's it's tough. But Brendan, move on to you know what what does Panarin being out of the lineup now do for this? Well, you have a lot of Rangers that are not playing tonight. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, there's no it's other way bad. to say it. You got Panarin out. You have Kako on COVID protocol. Keandre Miller is now on COVID protocol. Philip Beadle's still out. Jacob Trube is out. It's, woof, that's a that's a big chunk right there of your core roster. So it's going to be a mixture of the remaining Rangers and the AHL Hartford Wolfpack tonight. Uh, it means a lot, right? I, I mean, Panarin, he's been their offense. Uh, he's been their catalyst all season. Sabanajad's been slow. Uh, Lafreniere hasn't scored. Kako's looked good, but hasn't contributed point-wise. It's really been Panarin just being a catalyst for that offense. So without him out, you now look towards the Sabanajads, the Lafreniere's, the, you know, I, I guess you look at Blackwell as somebody who you has to score and has to step up, which never Kreider, those yeah. names, but can they? That becomes the question. Defensively, I don't think much changes, even though Miller's out, that hurts, and Truba's out, that does hurt too. But the way that they've played collectively defensively, it's limited other teams' chances. I think that the only way they're going to be able to survive Panarin's absence and the rest of the injuries is they have to get these guys going that have struggled so far this season. And I wrote the article about Zabanajad. It it basically comes down to this. He's been bad all season. He knows it. Everyone knows it. This is the opportunity to say, okay, I have what it takes to put this team on my back. And if he doesn't, ooh, New York media is not gonna not gonna go easy on him. They're just not. It's been a, it's been a real tough season for him, but he's got to get going. Like you said, they have so many guys ahead of the lineup. The veterans that are in the lineup have to essentially carry this team. We saw Zvanda do it the whole year last year. Not yep. saying he has to be that good this year, but. They could use a, a you know a spark or anything that he showed last year, which he hasn't shown at all. So, 
It's been tough. Anything else you want to add about the Rangers before we move on? Yeah. So on Twitter, I said that I'm going to tell you why I'm excited for tonight's game. Yes. And there's two reasons. The first is Igor Shesterkin. He's starting. And I feel like how this game is going, we talked about it previously before the show. If the Rangers do win tonight, it looks like it's going to be a Lundqvist-like performance. And will he be able to steal his first NHL game? Will he be able to win the game for his team? I kind of can't wait to see how he plays tonight, knowing odds are the Flyers are going to outplay the Rangers tonight. Can he keep the team in it? And can he win the game for his team? That excites me to watch the young goalie do that. The other is watching Patrick Liney last night set up on that top of the left circle and rip two Genos. I look at Mika Zibanejad without Panarin there, without most of these guys playing. Put him in that spot on a power play and let him just tee off. If one of those goes in, his confidence is going to soar. We know he has that shot. I'm not saying he has the same shot as Patrick Line because Patrick Line's shot's exceptional. But Zibanejad proved last year that he could score from there. I want to see him score one goal from there. He's had numerous chances from that side, from that spot, shooting the puck, and he's just been slightly off. If he can get one of those goals tonight, just watch how much he's going to be able to fly with the rest of the season, and that'll be huge for the Rangers. So those two reasons is why I'm excited about this game tonight. The confidence is either going to soar or the puck's going to soar into, into the netting. That's how, that's how it's going to go. He's either going to miss the shot completely. Listen, he hasn't really missed the net like that. I mean, against yeah. there was one game where he missed it against the Devils. That, But yeah. he's hit the net. He's just been... He's not, hitting his, he's not hitting his target. Correct. I, I like the one that was most memorable to me. I forgot who it was, but he hit the shaft of the stick. Like he beat everybody. The goalie didn't even flinch, but it hit the butt end. And like when Zabanajed's going right, that misses that butt end and goes right top shelf. So he just needs one. He really does. If he gets one of those clappers, you're going to see his head go back and be like, "Let's go." And then he's just going to start shooting with confidence again. Like you don't shoot 19.4 percent in this league and then go down to 4.6 percent or 4.3 percent that quick. He's got to get one to go. So, oh, yeah, we'll you definitely don't do that. In a couple of minutes, guys, we'll be joined by Rob Tobbs. So, before we do, big news with the Islanders today is they will be allowing fans starting March 18th against the Flyers. Uh, there'll be about 1,400 fans, 10%. It is season ticket holders only. Once season ticket holders are off of the tickets, the rest will go to general admission. But last year at the Coliseum, can't really see that happening. On March 11th, though, they will have healthcare workers in the building as the fan. I think about 1,000 of them. So, that's really cool to see. Islanders are waiting. Unlike other teams, they're saying, well, they have to pay security, all that stuff, whatever the reason may be. Luda Merlo is not one to like rush this. He didn't really rush it from the beginning. So I think he just wants to make sure safety is the biggest thing, obviously, of course. But fans will be back in the building this season, which is a great sign for all Islander fans that can go to the games. And just, again, to give that NASCAR Coliseum the proper send-off. Yeah, definitely. That's huge. And it is a long time that they're waiting because Rangers have fans Friday. So... I watched a little bit of the Knicks game just because there were fans there last night. And it's weird because you know they're there, but you still really can't hear them because it's so minimal. Yeah. So you're not going to, it's not going to make a big difference for your at home viewing. But just the fact that there are actually people there, it shows that we're going in the right direction. So it's a good thing. Hopefully well, I- by playoffs, if they come for the Islanders' sake, because I don't see it happening for the Rangers anymore. But if the Islanders can make it to the postseason, Hopefully that 1,400 or so increases a little bit at that time because, you know, we'll still be getting more vaccines out because that would be cool if you could say 5,000 people. That'll make a little more of a difference. I think, the issue, I think the issue, too, is Coliseum is a lot smaller than Madison Square Garden. Well, so yeah, but that's what I'm to... saying. If you could put 5,000 people in the oh, Coliseum yeah. for a playoff game, you're going to hear them. Oh, no, I'm saying, though, why they may have waited. Because oh, okay. They have yeah, to, you, know, spreading, you can't really spread people out when the arena is that small. Like, and you can. They'll make do. They'll figure it out. I mean, oh. I want to see. 
We got a question for you, Stefan, from our, our buddy Patrick Dowd, Isle Sign Guy. Oh, so he's the new king of the New York, Sorokin, the real deal. I definitely. I think he is. I think it's going to take this season, though, to for him to get comfortable enough, and we'll see how many games he does get. But every start, he's looked better and better. Each, each start he's been in, he looks great. The last one, obviously, phenomenal. So you hope that each start he keeps building and building and eventually becomes that consistent domination in, in goal. But I think that will come next season, not this season. Yes, yeah, the I, problem I, is he's I not agree. playing enough. He's not uh, he he is the real deal, though. Yeah. But not the king, because the king's Lundqvist, and then the new king's Shesterkin. Zark. Oh, he doesn't like that. He said yeah, that. Sorokin might, but Sorokin's the white whale, and he'll always be. Yeah, because he's still a mystery. Yeah, but, you know, it's like a it's like a mystery book. We're almost at the end of one I, of the chapters, and we're figuring I out. I still think that if they're not going to play him, they're better off sending him to Bridgeport for a couple of games and just letting him face shots. No, I understand that. I, no, I think this weekend, though, Trot said it's likely you'll see both. So they have a back to back or yes. no. Okay. Yes. They have a back to back. So I mean, listen, he needs to play, right? <laughs> the only way he's going to get better is if he plays. So he's got to play somewhere, but he definitely he too much skill. It's the same thing with Chesterkin, right? He got off to that slow start, but the amount of skill these guys have, they don't lose. So it comes to the point where you realize he's going to be that good in this league, no matter what, he's just have to adjust. And well, I we've can't seen that. It's, a, it's an adjustment period. We've seen it. Yeah. We saw from start number one, to start number three, it's like, okay, completely different guy. He's focused. He's he's learning. It's a learning curve. I mean, Shesterkin played 25 games in the NHL last year. That was his learning curve. Sorokin didn't get that opportunity or has not gotten that opportunity. So it might take a little longer for him to get settled in goal yep. after the last game and hopefully continues. Yeah, he's the real deal, 100%. Uh, he's good. <laughs> oh, he's going to be better than good. And if he's not better than good, then... There's a problem because the, I know the KHL isn't the NHL. I know we have to get to the interview. Hopefully he joins us in, in a minute or so and we'll cut to a quick commercial break. But we saw in the KHL, you don't, you can't go, yes, different, you're playing against different opponents, fine. But he wasn't good in the KHL. He dominated at the KHL. Exactly. So that's why I know he's going to be a star. Just does it take a year? That's, that's pretty much it. It probably does. I mean, listen, I said that early on. Everyone was talking about how many shots he's going to get or how many games he's going to start. And I'm like, uh, he's got to adjust. Like, they don't just come over here. The, the different ice surface, different angles. Everything's different. So we will see if he can adjust sooner than Chesterkin did. But, hey, it is what it is. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we get back, we're going to have a special guest joining us. So don't go anywhere. Stay with us, and we'll be back in 30 seconds. Hey everybody, it's Brendan here. Do you have old jerseys? What about old hockey equipment? Rather than throw these items out, our friends over at Ultranite would love to have them. This nonprofit converts jerseys into reusable face masks. The same face mask the New York Rangers wore in the bubble this past postseason. The old equipment you donate will be given to less fortunate children throughout the state. It doesn't matter what team you root for. Let's all come together to make a difference and grow the sport of hockey. To learn more, head to Ultranite.com. That's altronite.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We're going to be joined more momentarily by Rob Taub, and we'll talk some more Islanders hockey. But really, you know, there's a Ranger game tonight, too. I, we forgot to mention that when we were talking about the Rangers. Rangers Flyers back, uh, I, I believe they're in Philly again tonight. Yes, so another, another road game for the Rangers. Shesterkin in goal. I, I I think everyone's back for the Flyers. Uh, I believe uh, 
I wasn't happy with the way the Rangers beat them the other night with how many guys the Flyers had out, but they got the win. Well, yeah, now, see, see how, do you, how can you not be happy? Because they to, should have played a lot better than they did. That's fine, but you have to, you know, you have to take advantage of the of these opportunities when players are out. Like, you have to dominate. The Islanders didn't do that against the Capitals. So they could play bad, and you cannot be happy with their performance. But they got two points. But without further ado, Rob Tobb is here. What's going hey, on, Rob, how you, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you getting, How you guys doing? Good. We'll, we'll just get right into it here. So me and you share similar viewpoints on, on the play of Oliver Wallstrom. Just take us through what you've seen about his play, at least over the last couple of games. I think we're seeing his confidence grow. I, I, I like the way that he he's getting into the mix. He's not afraid to throw his body around. Uh, I, I'm, of course, I'm impressed with his shot. I, I just like his overall game. I, I think he's really starting to come into his own. I keep saying that the points will come, the points will come, the points will come. And they're, they're going to. Uh, I think could could it maybe happen if he got uh, a promotion up to the top six? Maybe. But I think he's starting to find himself in the uh, in that third line with J.G. Pajot and whoever the other winger is. But no, I like I really like what I've seen from him so far, and uh, I think the Islanders have a player here. So I mean, before Brendan gets to uh, his point, I, you know, Wallstrom's on the power play, and we see what it leads to the game winning goal by Pajot. Mm-hmm. How much you know that shows a lot of trust that Trotz has in his player to put him on special teams. Again, every game it seems like he's playing more, but to be on the power play and to come through in a big moment there—that's a major confidence booster. Oh, definitely. Uh, that that shot placement, perfect. That's what you want to see from the Islanders power play. And the fact now that they have another shooter outside of Ryan Pulak and Wallstrom is that guy, that's a, that's a major boost. And I think, you know, everyone can complain about the offense and everything, but, you know, there are pieces in place and Wallstrom is supposed to be one of them. It's, you know, it's going to happen for him. It's just when the goals come, the goals are going to come. It's just like that with, with the Islanders team. When the goals come, they do. And when they don't, it's, you know, you want to bang your head against the wall. Yeah, we see the same exact thing in New York with the Rangers too, right? I mean, you got these guys that are getting chances, just not finishing right now. So they will come for Wallstrom, for Lafreniere, all these younger players that are trying to find uh, their I, way. But I would give Laf, I would give Lafreniere a little bit of a uh, what's called a reprieve because he is a first year guy, and there's a lot of expectations, and it's a lot to handle for. Just look at Jack Hughes last year. I, I know he had it was a little bit of a different situation, but. I mean, you're a number one pick. The expectations are going to be sky high, but you got to take him in stride. I think that Lafreniere has done that. He'll get it. He'll he'll find his game soon. He will. I think that the Rangers fans that are calling him a bust already are a little premature in that. But what do you make of the defensive zone mistakes that the Islanders have made this season? Because it's really uncharacteristic of this club, especially under Barry Trotz. I I think it's just a matter of having confidence in their play, and when. You see the defensive zone breakdown. It's when the Islanders know that they are having trouble getting, like, playing confidently in their own zone, which has been really not seen for the past two years. But you're right; it is uncharacteristic. A lot of them have been pretty tough to watch. But you know, it's it's going to come with the territory of wanting to be an ultra defensive, an ultraly sound defensive team. I mean, I think what's happened this year is. You know, teams after a while they get to they they know your weaknesses and they they take they expose them. The Islanders haven't had that type of weakness, but now teams have seen them for so long and they know how to game plan against them. But I think it's just more comes down to having uh, having confidence in their own zone. And I know so watching them sometimes with the way they try and get the try and get the fuck out and the the failed miss attempts, it, it's terrible. It, it's really really it, it makes you scratch your head that oh this this is the kind of team that. Is so good defensively, but they can't get the fuck out of their own zone. 
got to be smarter, got to make harder plays, got to just got to do the little, do more of the little things the right way. And I think that's been one of the problems this year is what they were doing the last two years, they were doing the smart things. Now they're not, and it's costing them, and we've seen it this year in bunches, when it, it shouldn't. And it's, called, it's actually cost them a few games, which has also been a problem. But it seems like now they're starting to like get out of it a little bit. Uh, I'm hoping like guys like Scott Mayfield and Nick Lay, like they, they start to do play a little bit better here and there. But yeah, it's something they definitely need to improve on. My biggest issue is the awareness of the forwards in the defensive zone. Like not getting back or losing your man. We've seen it with Barzell a couple of times. I just wrote a piece about Everly because Everly seems to be the only guy that does it perfectly right. He's always in the right spot. But even Lee and these bellows, guys that just completely just lose themselves a little bit. And then I don't get how, you know, Barzell's been great. We've seen him play a lot better defensively where he's, you know, stealing pucks and all that. But then there's times where it's lazy. Yep. It's tough to watch. But you know what? That's the, that's exactly the same kind of thing that Trotz had to deal with, with Ovechkin. And, and after a long time, he finally bought in and it got them to a Stanley Cup. So Barzell is Barzell. Uh, uh, you know, as much as we love him for his offense and he, he's a superstar in that uh, in that right, it's defense he's still got to work on. And, and he made it a point when he signed the contract this year that that was going to be one of the things that he works that he's worked on. And we've seen some of it. Uh, we've yeah. seen better, but there's still time. There's still times where there's lapses and. You know, you, you don't want that from your star player, but it's going to happen. It just can't keep happening on a consistent basis. Like even some of the goals, some of the goals from against the Penguins, exactly. those kind of things can't happen. I mean, they just can't. You're up two to one on Saturday, and you, I mean, you just got the lead, and then you have four guys just lose one guy, and that guy was Mike Matheson, who you don't. That's the last guy you want to see with the puck, and it leads yeah. to a goal. You can't, you can't have that, especially if you're Barzell. You just can't. First goal is a penguin as well. But, you know, a year ago today, the Islanders get Pajot. How did you feel on this day last year when they made that trade and then the extension to follow? I thought it was great. I thought it was a terrific move. He was the one guy that everyone kept saying, this is the guy they need, this is the guy they need. And they got him. And they got him for – I mean, people could call out the price, but they they won the trade. The draft picks are draft picks. Like, like Barry Trott said last year, and he would probably say today. Those picks are they're lottery tickets. Uh, who knows what what could happen? But the Islanders got a player they desperately needed. He definitely became he added another dynamic to the lineup. We saw it in the playoffs. He was probably one of the best players they had in the playoffs. And yeah, did he have a slow start to this year? Sure. But now he's starting to he's starting to climb little by little. He's starting to find his scoring touch, and you can see he's just a guy that is loved in the locker room, and he's a presence, and he he brings a little bit of more. He brings some what I think Barry likes is grit. He brings a little bit of grit. He brings a little bit of spit, and I, I think that's why I think that's why the trade worked, and I, that's why I was very happy when they got him last year. And I know ping to your profile on Twitter is Pajot making Brian Boyle flinch, mm-hmm. and that's the great you're talking about. He will fight. He doesn't care. His size means absolutely nothing to him. That's per, that's the personality, and that's uh, that's that's kind of what the the team probably was missing a little bit last year, in in a way. And the fact that they now have him, the the way that we're seeing it now, where he's doing it again this year and getting under teams under uh, other teams' skin, that's what you got like. He wants to be a pain in the ass to play with. I'm more than happy to watch it. Yeah, and before Brennan gets to it, the last year was a tr- problem because Islanders' fourth line was all out, so they needed that grit from somebody else. The bottom six last year was invisible. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you can't. There's no other way around it. 
uh, I think they're getting a lot. They're getting some better production this year. And I think because they added the youth, they added some infusion of youth. I also think the fourth line has found themselves again after I don't know what the hell was wrong with them to start the season. They just, they look like they were dead, dead in the water. And then that break, just everything clicked. And now you're seeing Matt Martin scoring goals, you're seeing Casey Zizekas. I, I don't know what happened on that shift, uh, what happened in that second period on on Monday that he would only played like two minutes and 10 seconds. Yeah. That kind of uh, that befuddled me. And I think it befuddled a lot of people. But no, I think uh, they're getting they're getting contributions now from the te- from the guys they need to get it from. Yep. So, do you think it's smart to get Sorokin into more games on a regular basis to preserve Var- Varlamov, or do you think that they're just going to ride the hot hand here? I think Barry's going to ride the hot hand. We've seen it now. I think Sorokin will get. I, I said it on a podcast. I think a few weeks ago, Sorokin will get his starts. It's going to come. But the way Varlamov is playing, he's play- he's playing like a business worthy goalie right now, and it's yep. hard to not want to put him back in there. Has he had some uh, one or two clunkers? Sure. But overall, he's been fantastic. And the team is winning in front of him. And the team is playing well in front of him. Are there times where he's had to save their bacon? Sure. And that's going to happen too with with, uh, Marla, with uh, Sorokin as well. But you got to ride the hot hand right now. And you, to preserve him for the playoffs, is a, it's a tough argument because it's only a 56-game season. And who knows what other COVID stuff is going to happen over the next two or three months and the Isles can get another break, or they can, and you could have even a more fresh Barlamov. And uh, same thing goes with Sorokin. But I think Barlamov is the guy right now, and I think Sorokin will have to pry him out of the net for, for him to get the starts. But he'll get his. I think uh, uh, Barry said they'll you'll see Sorokin uh, this weekend. So that's just how it has to be right now, and I, I don't think it's a problem. I think if the Isles are winning, whoever is in net, that's the guy you go with. Yeah, and I completely agree with that point too. About it's about doesn't matter that he's playing to a Vesna level; the team's winning in front of him. You know, more often than not, they're putting together better efforts, and when they don't, he's there to bail them out. It seems like the playoffs were like kind of his welcoming out party. Like he yes. he really really showed in the playoffs why Blue Arrow decided to go after him and why he was really Plan A as a as as opposed to signing Robert Leonard, which. Look, if you if Leonard was still Leonard was Leonard was still here, that'd be great. Uh, fans would love it. I think everyone. But Barlamov has showed he's exactly the guy that the the Islanders thought they were going to be getting, and he's continued to get better and better. And we think he helped Hurricane get here and made that decision, which will pay off for the franchise for the long run. But um, another question for you is, you know, looking at this Islander team this year, what has been the biggest surprise? And it could be positive or negative. Oh, right now it's the power play, but because uh, it seems like they finally found one. But simple, I gotta keep go it with, simple. Yeah, I, but I got to go with Jordan Ellie. Uh, he's been terrific so far this season. I, I loved his game so far. He's he's being a little bit, he's being more aggressive. He's skating uh, with a purpose now. He's you know he's not show. Last year he looked a little bit lost. Uh, I, I I always pointed out in the beginning of the season last year. He got hurt early on, and he missed 10 games. And during that 10-game stretch, the Islanders really, really started to turn it on. It was part of their 17-game point streak. Yeah. And when he came back, he just he never seemed to get back in the flow. Since the start of this season, he looks like a, de- a more determined player, the, the kind of guy that the Islanders needed last year and in the playoffs, too. He only had two goals in the playoffs last year. That's not going to cut it, especially for the guy with his contract and what, uh, and what he brings to the table. So Everly has really surprised me. I really like his game this year. Uh, I'm hope if he can get to uh, let's say 15, 20 goals, I think that's a, a, a fantastic season. And also, he had something to prove. You know, the expansion draft is right around the corner, and he one of he's one of the prime guys that's been talked about 
how can you not want him to play like he is this year, like like a bat out of hell, and not want to keep him? He's playing for he's playing for his job, and I think he's shown that he wants to keep it and he wants to be here. Yeah. So when he got moved, I think the big difference this year too is he did start off better. When he got moved from the first line to the second line, he woke up, and I think it's because when he's on the top line, Barzal is the creator. And he just has to wait for Barzal to dish to him. Whereas when he's on the second line, he's he has to be the one creating stuff because again, Bavilia was hurt, and then feed Nelson and all that stuff. So I think that Ebley just had a different role in the second line, and it, it just jolted him. And we see him skating harder, doing everything more offensively driven. And I think it was great for him. And now back on the top line, he's still bringing that game. No, I I totally agree. Yep. So when you look at this team right now, do you think that Lula Amarillo will stay? Pat at the deadline, or do you think he's going to be aggressive, make a couple of moves? I think it's going to be very, very hard for them to make moves, especially with the whole salary cap situation. And it, it, it's just, it doesn't seem like it's in the cards. If Lou can pull off a big time trade and even get a, just to get another forward who can score goals, I think it'd be a miracle. I think this is the team that they're stuck with right now. I, I, it's, I, I don't know. I, I think he can make a move. I just, they're, the teams that he who would want to trade with the Islanders, they're looking. They're going to try and steal anything of value, and I that can mean draft picks. That can mean uh, high end prospects, which the Islanders don't have that many, according to a lot of people, which is kind of true. But I can't see them making a trade unless it just completely blows Lou out of the water and the whole brass. It, I, I I give it fifteen percent chance, and, and that's high. That's yeah. a high number. Yeah. Well. Rob, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure talking hockey with you, and we'll definitely have you on again. Oh, we lost him. Oh, no, I'm still here. No, no, the, we, we know that you're Islanders, so I, I've had enough Rangers drama for the last I'll, the, I'll just say this. 24 hours. Quinn is the right coach, but you have some guys on that team that I think that just – they're not awake. And especially Mika Zibanejad. He's not awake right now. And, and you, know, you don't think that has anything to do with coaching? I don't because he's kind of like a coach. He's kind of has that – he's a captain-like guy. And captain-like guys are kind of like coaches on the ice themselves. Correct. They're, uh, they're, they're leaders and they guide, they guide their teammates. But the whole Panarin situation, I think that <laughs> – I, I don't know how to – I don't know how that's going to play out. When he comes back, maybe he'll throw up 30 goals and I don't know, 30 or so games. Who knows? But I think there, there's a lot of guys on your team that need to step up. And Zabinajad's one, Brian Strong's another. I, I mean, they pay these guys to be producers. Yeah. And right now they're not. They're they're banking on Pavel Buchnevich, who's, I think, been having a, uh, a sensational year. And I think he's really starting to come into his own. Uh, but I'd also, I'm worried about that defense. I really, I've always been worried about the Rangers defense. Everyone talks about, they have guys coming in the pipeline, the Nils Lundqvist, the, the DeAndre Millers, who's here now. They need to find the right balance. They really, yep. really do. Because right, I think that was their bugaboo last year, especially in the playoffs, because they looked overmatched in the playoffs. Oh, they were. I think they've looked overmatched at times this year. I mean, there's been some games where they should have won, and their defense and the goaltending, and I'm not going to throw it all on uh, Shostarkin and Gorgiev. They need to be better too. But that defense has, is really my their major problem here. See, the one thing I will say to that is that early on in the season, it was goaltending. They were letting in the soft goal. Shesterkin hasn't done that recently. This Rangers team now all of a sudden sits top seven in the league in goals against average. They're not allowing as many shots as they did last year. Solidified 
primarily by Jacques Martin. And I think that what, what's happening now is with the injuries, they're starting to get a little more chances in their own end, but they've held the fort. They, they really haven't. They let, the Capitals team only scored one goal against them. The Flyers only scored two. They've actually done a pretty solid job defensively. It just hasn't been the prettiest style of defense. But I, I do think that when Miller comes back, he's on COVID protocol now. You have your top three of the future. Then Lundqvist comes over. Then you have Zach Jones at UMass coming over. You have Tarmo Renainen, who's sitting in the AHL right now. They do have enough. And you still have Truba for another six years, which that's going to be tough. For... I, I, never, I never liked that contract. <laughs> it, that is, was insane. it was too I, much. But watching, Because watching what Neil Pionk is doing now in, in Winnipeg, oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to say that he's better or, or like been above uh, Trubu in terms of like production, but yep. I think Pionk is he was younger, he's a younger guy, and I think that I think that trade might really come back to hurt them in the long run. It, it will, but I, I think they made it because you have Fox, you have Lingren, you have these smaller type of offensive defensemen already. You can't really have another one there. Yeah, Lingren has had a he's had a quiet year so far after what was a I thought was a terrific, uh, fantastic. Yep. You know, last year, but I know Fox is holding up for it. He's just, he's phenomenal. He's going to be, he's going to be uh, an insane player. Uh, uh, maybe even uh, Norris trophy worthy, but I, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from with the, with the defense. Yep. They, they got guys in the pipeline and they, but now, now is the time to really, I mean, it's, you're not a rebuild anymore. This is, I mean, I don't know how if you would I, agree with that. I think it's the last year. Maybe. But, because because like you had said earlier, it is Loft's first year. You got Kako in his second. You got Miller in his first. Like, there's still it, – it's it's an awkward thing. I mean, they generated enough offensive talent to where right. it shouldn't be in a rebuild anymore. I don't, I don't think so. You've got a lot of offensive firepower, and you've got pieces of your defense and your goaltending all set. So I, I, maybe I agree with you a little bit that they are in the last year to rebuild, but I think that they were, they've been way past what, the, what they should have been at this point. I agree with Rob because the, the big concern was the defense coming into this year. And early on, it was it's the rookies were playing. The younger guys are playing great. It's the veterans that are killing you. And in a rebuild, it's usually the other way around where they're learning curves. Well, but this in year, fairness, they put Jack Johnson in the lineup for the first five games. That fair, hurts. but your veteran, offense, your veteran <laughs> offense and players haven't been doing much. So it's hard for the young guys to look at that and go, all right, trying to build, but those players aren't helping either. So Well, you also, look at their – sorry. No, I was gonna say I don't think you guys have a like a fourth line that can. <laughs> no, no, no. Not like the Islanders. Damage. No, they they oh. don't have a fourth line. They have people that rotate into a fourth line spot, but that that's about it. You need four lines rolling to play in this league. I've said that. I completely agree with that. But the the thing that I could prove why the Rangers' defense is better is because when Jack Johnson started this season, they were about seventy four percent on the PK. They take him out because he got hurt. All of a sudden, they're number four, I think, in the league in penalty kill. So if he doesn't play those five games to start this season, you're looking at a very good defensive team. <laughs> but now he's on the second pairing with Brendan Smith because Keandre Miller's on COVID protocol. So God bless. Make a good point. Make a good point. Uh, All right, uh, but Rob, thank you very much for joining us. We really do appreciate it, man. Appreciate you guys having me. Thanks. See ya. Have a good one. Great interview. Want to get his Ranger points in there? He did that. It was great. Nah, I mean, uh, very good points. Uh, I just watch them every night, and it's it's tough to to comprehend how much of a difference one person can make, especially early on in the season. But Jack Johnson was that detrimental to this defense that their numbers on defense are so good right now, and you can only imagine how much better they would be had, A, Jack Johnson not been playing, 
and B, Shesterkin and Georgiev made some of those softer goals that went in. They stopped them. So can't look in the past, but we'll go to the can't future. look in the future. After this quick commercial break, I'm going to tell a very funny story about what happened when me and Brendan were working at Ding last year. So stay tuned after this break. Hey guys, Stefan here. Each night on Long Island, 180,000 residents will go hungry, 39% of which are kids who have no ability to control their situation. Our friends over at Long Island Hockey Co. are trying to help as many families as possible. Each hat sold on their website will provide 50 meals for food insecure Long Islanders. Head to longislandhockeyco.com and let's help the people in our community. Oh, it's story time. It is story time. We're ready to go here. <laughs> okay, so last year, on uh, yesterday, because the miracle, you know, Team USA beats the Soviet Union in one of the craziest games ever in U.S. history and any sporting history and hockey particularly. So we're working a game at Bing Devils there. So me and Brendan are both game day interns. So our tasks range from social media to giving out media credentials to all that fun stuff. And I don't like the cold. And I know that's hard to imagine. I played ice hockey and, you know, hockey is my, my thing, but I'm not really, not doing well in the cold. And in Binghamton, it is frigid that time of year when we were working. And I remember, you know, we get our roles and I get put at the table in the lobby, which is right by a door that opens all the time. And Brendan got put upstairs in the warmth, uh, signing people in for meals. If you're part of the media or scouts, you could go in and get free meals. I said to Brendan, listen, really, really cold. Would you mind switching with me tonight? Sure thing, man. Not even questioning it. I'm up, at the, I'm up at the dinner sign-in, and all of a sudden, the guy walks up to me, and I recognize him right away. It's Craig Patrick. That's the assistant coach for Team USA, and he was a Penguin scout. They were playing, I, I don't know if they were playing the Penguins minor league team, but he was there scouting the Binghamton Devils, and of course, it was the, they were doing miracle-themed jerseys. It was pretty cool. And it took me a second to recognize him, because obviously, I've only I've seen the movie more often than I've seen him, and the actor's not him, so it's, again, hard. And he looks at me and goes, do you know who I am? And I go, yeah, and he go, just pulls out the gold medal from Such his pocket <laughs> and literally goes put it on and i know when i talked to my boss back then she said you know listen if people offer you stuff like that like you can you're, you're part of the job you're not a fan whatever okay he just handed me the gold medal and goes put it on i'll take your picture i was like are you serious it's like yeah i'll do that so i put it on took a picture with it i know my smile was out of this world and it was great and it was the coolest thing ever and he said all right have a good night and i saw him in the press box taking his notes the guy just carries it around in his pocket. And I'm Brendan, I apologize that I was switching. I don't know if you understand how good of a friend you are. If I could do it all over again, I would have told you to switch. So I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I would have let you have that moment. But it was pretty cool that he just whipped that thing out. Well, my first reaction when you texted me the picture was, yo, that's so cool. Like, that's awesome. And then I realized, holy crap, I was supposed to be sitting there doing that. That would have been me taking the picture. Stefan, now I'm freezing because I was trying to, you know, keep you and your your body temperature above 98.6 <laughs> so that's the last time last time i switched doing anything that's assigned to me but it, it was cool i mean you never know who you're going to meet at these places i remember sitting at that same credentials table and i got to meet the uh, tampa bay lightning gm because he was there for a night so it's like it's just cool experience to be around that and I, unfortunately that whole thing got cut short right by yeah the I mean, pandemic covid did that and it sucked but i mean eric bolton we saw him in the yeah. press box. He's a cool. All the guys that are former players are, are so cool. And hockey is one of the sports and media players, just down to earth people. You get yeah. those one or two where they're like cocky and don't want to talk to you. Like I remember hearing, I don't want to, you know, 
whatever, I'll say it. I talked to someone that worked for the Islanders equipment manager at practice, and they said, like, Ryan Strom was a cocky player. I mean, you deserve a little bit of cockiness if you're in the NHL. Like, you're good enough to play in that league. It's going to come with it. That's part of, like, the nature. You you know you're that good. If you don't know that you're that good, then that's a confidence lacquer for sure. But everybody's so down to earth, and they really helped us, both me and Brendan, you know, move up in the world. I know we're still a little low. We're trying to make it there, but we've had some great people on to talk hockey, whether it be a guy like Rob Todd, who's willing to come on, got a huge following, does his job, but willing to talk to me and help me, help me grow. And I know you, you've spoken to many people like the uh, Avs assistant GM. You got to know a little bit and other people like that. It's been really cool. And by the way, if you have never been to an AHL game, I highly recommend you go because it's an experience that you don't get when you go to an NHL game because you're right on top of the action and you're watching the next wave of young talent. Like the names that we saw last year, four of them are now playing on the New Jersey Devils regular roster. So it's really cool. The names that you get to see the old veterans like a Corey Schneider that could wind up being down there players that are on rehab stints. But you're also right on top. Like, there's no bad seats in those arenas, as opposed to you can go to an NHL game and pay a good amount of money and be sitting far away from the action. There, you're right on top of it. So, I highly recommend if you get the chance to go to one, go to one of these AHL games and just take in these the next wave. You hear everything. It's like a pandemic style game with no pandemic. It's really cool. Well, remember that one guy that was with the refs for the entire game? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. This guy would come to every game, sit behind the glass in his regular spot. <laughs> He had a horn, and he would just go at these reps for no like the game would warm ups are happening. That was, that was this too guy funny. could not understand a word he said ever, but it was, things were said. I'm sure it wasn't pretty things. But I'm it wasn't sure even it was, penalty calls. Like it would be an icing, and he would be chirping the rest for calling yeah. the icing. It's just outlandish stuff. But he brought his little megaphone, and he would be screaming every game, and it was just hysterical. Uh, before we end the show, let's give a scoreboard update. I know the Rangers get set to play the Flyers in a little bit, but right now the Hurricanes are down 2 nothing to the Lightning. Hurricanes only have nine shots on goal after two periods of play. You're not going to win a game against any team, specifically the Lightning, with not getting shots on goal. Uh, end of second, Dallas Stars are up one nothing over the Panthers. That's going to be a good game. And then at 7 o'clock at NBCSN, the Rangers play the Flyers, and I guess you could call the Rangers just broken right now. The Flyers coming off with COVID issues, but they're finally healthy. Later in the night at 7 o'clock as well, Calgary plays Toronto. 9 o'clock, Minnesota plays Colorado. 9 o'clock, Anaheim plays Arizona. And 9.30 on NBCSN after the Ranger Flyer game is the Kings versus the Blues. So a lot of hockey tonight. And I have a hockey game tonight as well. I have to give a shout-out to the Edmonton Oilers for a backdoor cover last night, saving me. I picked them to win, and I picked the over, and their backdoor cover helped me out. So thank you to the Edmonton Oilers for did that. You see how, did you see McDavid's goal? Uh, obviously the one-timer, and then they made a meme of it, of the defenseman laying down and the goalie laying down and pretty much saying, like, oh, you know what? I, no. you can't, it was very funny to watch. It, it was just, you can't leave anyone wide open. And then when McDavid has the puck and it's well, a wide I, open. I saw the goal. Yeah. But, uh, he's not missing. Well, he doesn't miss from when he's 45 feet out, let alone two feet out. He's just, he's just very good hockey, Brendan. I don't know if you know this. Like he's, he's just very good at the sport. He's the best hockey player of all time. That's all on the show. Not true. We can't end so, on that. Because, you want to end like that? Like, I do, the because he's the best hockey player of all time. Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid. Best when it's all player. said and done, you look back at the greats. Gene Bellevue, Bobby Orr, Mario Lemieux. McDavid's going to end his career above that statistically or not? I, I don't know about statistically. The goalies are better now, but he's the yeah. best hockey player of all time. Yeah, and also I his, I, you know, I, I think, yeah, talent. I mean, he's on the level where it's so easy, like when Gretzky was playing. It's that easy. Now, again, the goalies are a lot better. The players are a lot better around him. So that's why it's not that extreme 
but I agree. He's going, he's the greatest player I've ever seen. And I mean, again, I've only been alive for 22 years, but highlight wise as well. He seems like the greatest player was hand-like coordination, awareness, speed, speed, speed with the puck, speed without the puck cuts. He's just the legit best hockey player. He's unreal. <laughs> and he missed almost a full year due to injury. You are a hundred percent right on that. You, you really are. All right, Brennan, end the show. All right. I will see you all next week. Stefan, we'll see you all next week. We'll be here Sunday, too, for a little bit of a recorded show, so don't miss that. But without further ado, check back in with us on Sunday, everybody. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check Pod.